Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 26th, and yes, we're going to talk about baseball. We are looking for a database engineer. Uh, This is a part-time position that could turn into full-time. So if that's you, if you're like, oh man, I've been really wanting to get into sports, into baseball, and I don't really like what I do with it, and I'm really good at this stuff, and do Postgres and all of it. This is a really fun opportunity. Um, it probably would be part time for uh, for about like six to twelve months, uh, something like that. Probably six, hopefully, and then we would want to transition you into a full time role. So uh, reach out to us. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have some amazing, amazing things that we're doing. Uh, so uh, reach out to us, pitcherlist.com slash hiring. You can also uh, reach out to me if you have any questions at info at pitcherlist.com. All right, Aaron Savali yesterday, eight innings pitch, one run, five hits, two walks, five Ks. So yeah, um, I like to say this a lot. I'm in the business of good discussion, not being right, because there's no way that I'm going to be right 100% of the time. That is insane. I'm happy when I'm right 60% of the time. And my analysis was that Aaron Savali throwing 4.5 ticks lower in the previous start kind of outlined that there's very little chance that either A, he jumps back all the way in velocity, B, that he isn't hurt, and C, that he's able to go 93 pitches of production even against the Royals. And he did exactly that. I'm not really going to change that analysis moving forward, but this was so strange and I'm really happy for him because, I mean, he was still down in velocity. It was over two ticks, but he made it work and he uh, obviously fixed in some way. Um, like this is something I I don't talk about enough is I get really proud of pitchers when they are clearly struggling in some way. They're clearly going through something and they still figure out ways to survive. One of the best things about veteran pitchers or really just, it doesn't have to be veteran, but what makes you a veteran is to figure out how to get to the finish line without your best stuff. I mean, he was still 2.3 ticks down. He went to 70% cutters and curves, which is traditionally what you see when you have lower velocity, when you're laboring, when there's something there that isn't, uh, that is preventing you from being your best self. Generally, you move away from fastballs and go to secondaries because then you're going to rely on the movement more than the velocity. And you're hoping that you can just hit enough spots and get that over the plate enough to make that work. And the cutters and curves returned uh, 42%. uh, Actually, they did not. The four-seamer won 42% CSW on 1983, which is insane. But that's because he was able to spot them and make that work. So huge props to Aaron Savali. I remember actually in chat yesterday suggesting that someone does not start Aaron Savali for a two-start week. And I obviously feel bad about that. But um, trust the process and not the results. Uh, great stuff, Aaron Savali. Still down in velocity. And we still got to hold our breath to hope that he's okay. Um, there's still something wrong. But uh, it might also have been one of those starts where he pushed through this one. And then he goes back down next time. We saw that with the Evaldi, for example, 96. And then he was down to 94 and 93 and so on. Um, other guys from yesterday, JP France really came through against the Texas Rangers. Seven innings, zero runs, five hits, two walks, three Ks. A very strange outing. Why is that? Because he went four seamers 64% of the time. And I've called JP France a kitchen sink guy. He has a curveball. He has a slider. He has a cutter. He has a changeup. And 64% four seamers. Also, like, all high lock, all in the upper half of the zone. 
one with and 54 thrown. I mean, I think that should kind of tell you that, like, yeah, that is not how you're supposed to do this, JP France. I think you're more of an east-west guy than you are a north-south. And to see that elevation, and also, by the way, like, the other stuff wasn't that down. I don't know really how this worked and how this went his way. I mean, I can tell you it was Babip, but it worked out. Uh, I guess he got enough fly ball outs with it. I It's weird. What a weird, weird, weird game. Props to France. Sometimes baseball does that. Um, you can pitch exactly like this the next time and get demolished, but you got the win here. Good stuff. Uh, weird. Justin Verlander aces not going to ace because he's not an ace, but he, again, looked like one. Um, I guess the Yankees, six innings, zero in runs, two hits, four walks, six Ks. As the Mets say, we're the best team in town. Uh, 39% CSW. Uh, nice to see the King Cole as he did the Bailey special. That is, you know, those six innings of about one whip and a strike out an inning. Um, his slider was really good um, down in glove side. He did it four walks. Uh, and the four-seamer hugged the edges. And that really was the reason why he wasn't like super high lock. Four-seamer command was not as good, but the slider was great. I mean, there's a lot of, like, pitches down the middle with a four-seamer, and then he tried to get cute with it on the sides, and he couldn't do it. Uh, 62% CSW, though, on that slider is just insane. So if Verlander has that slider, and I imagine the four-seamer should be better, maybe there is actually that path to him being an ace. I still feel like he's just a holly, guys. Uh, Alex Cobb against the Athletics finally got the splitter back. And it's so funny, like... To follow the rule of new skill versus old skill, like I keep saying he doesn't have the old skill, and the new skill is going to go away before the old skill comes back. Well, the new skill, the sliders, uh, disappeared last time, and it was bad. But then, fine, we got that out of the way, now the old skill came back. Slider was thrown once, but who cares? 10 out of 39 whiffs for the splitter is great. The splitter is more of a... Th- sorry, the slider is more of a thing when the splitter is gone. Um, and it was really annoying to see the splitter gone last time and the slider not there. Uh, but anyway, this is great. We're cool with it. It was against athletics, I understand. But we keep starting Cobb now that he has the splitter. Like you feel like it should stick around. When he normally what happens is he loses for a couple games and then he brings back the splitter, right? And that stays six around. Andrew Abbott is really impressing me, by the way. Six innings, zero in runs, seven hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts. Fifteen was thirty-one percent CSW. The last two starts, both against Milwaukee, I should mention, have looked a lot better to me of Andrew Abbott as like someone that I actually can see being the person that I think a lot of people thought he was in the beginning. I was against it. He had a terrible start. It was kind of like, yeah, that's why. Because what he was doing at that time, which is four seamers not well commanded. And this breaking ball that sometimes was good, but not really that good. And I just didn't really buy the whole package at the time. Now we have this this slider, the sweeper, that is actually doing really good things with tons of strikes. And the four seamer command is much better at the top of the zone than it was before. This works. I mean, he does also incorporate those curves and change-ups as well in there. Which is good, it's not just two pitch. But I can actually see this playing out well for Andrew Abbott now. Um, that is just two outings of it. And I do want to see him also face a team that's not the Brewers. I think he's had three of them against him. At least the last two were both there. So, feels good about Abbott at the moment. Uh, I'm much more believable. And this is this is honestly the thing. is like I don't just stick to my guns for the sake of like, oh, he is what he is and that's it. If he changes, which he did, I will change my tune. Um, that's That's the way of this. I don't really care about my ego or like sticking to my guns for the sake of sticking to my guns. I'm like, no, if new information comes, I will always shift based on that information. Okay. Steven Matz against the Diamondbacks, six innings, zero in runs, five hits, and one walk, six Ks. There you go. Um, Kind of interesting, though. Uh, It was 94-95, so like 94.5 or so, not the 95-96, to um, but it was still the upper half for Steven Matz. The Diamondbacks are not a good offense right now, so I don't really want to rate this too highly. 
Um, the curve was 7 over 10 for strikes, which is totally fine with me. And the changeup was more down, but still should be lower. Like, it's not, I don't want to call it the Blake Snell blueprint because he's not actually getting that true pitch separation of changeups and sinkers yet. So, Matt still has some work to do, but it was a 38% CSW, and this is okay. This can work. He does get the Cubs next. I'm okay with that. Bellinger might be off the team by then. Keep in mind, because a week away from the trade deadline on Tuesday, which is I'm going to have a stream with Spore uh, either at 1 or 2 p.m. Eastern time start. I think it's going to be 2 because I'm probably going to do the morning stream and need an hour to eat, and then we'll start at 2, and then we'll go through the deadlines, which is like at 6 p.m. or so. 5.30 or so when last things start trickling in. Um, we should have some extra guests, too. We can bring you on the stage because it's at playback.tv slash pitcher list. So make sure that you're there. It is going to be a super, super fun stream. Um, hopefully, we can get MLB Network uh, in the background as well. It's so much better because it's ML, uh, playback.tv slash pitcher list. I'm streaming there exclusively now um, instead of Twitch. So make sure you're there. We can watch live baseball games together. I know it's absolutely insane. Um, and I'm there every morning, 10 to 12. But yeah, that's next week. That's the trade deadline. Uh, so the Cubs could be a little bit worse for Mats. I think we go with this. Austin Gomer, six innings, zero runs, six hits, zero walks, four Ks. That's a gold star because I expect him to do nothing on a given start. And that was against the Nationals, but still a gold star for you. Congrats. Don't touch him. Uh, Taylor Scott opened for Ken Waldachuk on the Athletics. He elevated not just heaters, but also sweepers and changeups, which isn't what you want. Uh, so uh, the Giants are really bad and allowed him to go 4.1 innings of one and run and six strikeouts. That's cool. I'm not going into uh, Ken Waldachuk. Like, the Giants are one of the best teams to stream against right now. Kind of is honestly what I expected from them all year, and they were surviving, and now it's like, yeah, okay, they're not good. Tyler Glasnow's ace is going to ace against the Marlins. He looks so good with that slider. I broke it down in the OGC podcast with Fast on Monday night. Or really, it came out Tuesday morning. Uh, Listen to that. The new slider with Glasnow that he introduced in 2021, and they didn't really throw into two because of Tommy John. But that pitch is even better in 2023. It's such an important compliment as it gets so many strikes and it's really hard to hit pair with that fastball. And of course, the stupid unhittable curveball that doesn't get a lot of strikes, but it gets so many whiffs. And if anyone makes contact, it's just an out. Blake Snell against the Pirates. This is so funny to me. Um, the last two starts, he's not looked like an ace when watching it because the fastball has been just so bad in different ways. This one wasn't like scattered outside the zone. It was scattered down and under the zone. And 0 out of 47 whiffs on Blake Snell's fastball is just astonishing. Because the thing is, that is an elite fastball when it's elevated. Like, I'm talking 23 inches of induced vertical break at times, which is unreal. Induced vertical break, essentially the the threshold to me is like 15 is good, 17 is like, oh boy. And 23 is just dumb. Like, 20 is, is truly elite, but like, 23 is insane. And he's all low with it, so it's, you know it doesn't get quite the release and everything that he wants. I uh, but he still went six innings, one and run, two hits, five walks, four Ks. You're like, oh, those five walks, that's a one seventeen whip, guys. He gets the win. I'm sure it's four Ks, whatever. So like, I don't want to remove the ace is going to ace label because I don't think that Snell's fastball is going to be this poorly commanded. Well, it is better curveballs and sliders right now. That's cool. The chain was actually kind of a little bit worse. It was weird. I, I think there's just something weird about the release point of the fastball right now, and I think he can get that. And I'm just going to ignore it. Um, I think like it's not going to be detrimental to the traditional second half of Blake Snell. Uh, Merrill Kelly had a still ill and he came back. Six innings, one and run, four hits, two walks, and five Ks. I labeled it that. I didn't really think that he would have the same stellar command. Well, mostly it was it was um it was different. It was more east west than I normally see. I like to see the the low changeups from Merrill Kelly more more often than not. 
But now he gets the the Giants on Sunday, and that's so, so brilliant. Um, we have a lot more to talk about Pablo Lopez and Corbin Burns, and is he an ace now? I don't know. We'll talk about him and so many others after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Nick Pavetta was opened for against Atlanta, and I didn't want to do this because it's Atlanta, but Nick Pavetta startled us again. It's at five innings, zero and runs, three hits, one walk, and five Ks, 10 wins, 24% CSW across 80 pitches, and obviously there was some fortune to this. However, the slider for the second three start was so well spotted down in glove side. I cannot emphasize that enough. That is a huge, huge deal. I normally do not see that from Pavetta. Two starts is a suggestion. So the first one is exception. Second is a suggestion. Third is confirmation. That's traditionally how I do it. Really, the fourth is, but three is a very, very good trend. Um, and a two, then two is a suggestion, but it's not really quite there. He does get the Giants, though, like Merrill Kelly. And that is something I'm certainly going for with Nick Pavetta with that slider looking as good as it does now. I normally see it like just like hovering the top of the zone or just like randomly in the zone. This is actually down in glove side and whoa, that's cool. Pablo Lopez allowed two home runs on changeups and it's really annoying because it had a 41% CSW. Uh, otherwise, I mean, absolutely stellar. Seven innings, 200 runs, six hits, one walk, eight Ks overall. And I still want that change to be a little bit lower. Pablo himself was like, yeah, those two changeups were really annoying. And like, I need to get a little bit more down, but yes. Um... But I'm just really happy for him in so many ways. One, he's in a great situation, I think, in Minnesota. Two, uh, he has this extension right now, which means that the 415 ERA, I think, that he has right now, or 13, whatever, is just like, he doesn't care that it's not, you know, it's like, I think, his career worse right now, which is so dumb, because he's pitching as well as possible. And uh, I really kind of hope that the Twins make the playoffs, just for the sake of Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan getting their attention on the national stage. Because they really deserve it. They've they've done some great things this year. And uh, working with the driveline and they're looking better. That uh, we got to be giving them more attention. Um, the fact that both of them went in like the 14th round of drafts this year, I think is just still criminal. Um, sure, I had a problem to do with that. But then I was drafting them in those two spots. <laughs> so I... Uh, and also we didn't know what the health was with Pablo Lopez. The seam just like still healthy and going and like higher velocity still there. It's, it's just all really cool. Okay. Cal Gibson against the Phillies. That's six innings, two earned runs, four hits, zero walks, and five Ks. Uh, three of his last four starts that Cal Gibson has come through for you. Oh boy, is that actually believable? Now it's the Jays. No. I'm sorry. Uh, Kyle Gibson is going to be volatile. Maybe he has this amazing second half run that I'm just going to be missing out on. That happens all the time. That's part of my process. Uh, Kyle Gibson to me is a cherry bomb. He does not, he's not consistent. We've seen him before do some good things, but I don't really think that anything has changed for us to be like, oh no, I can believe that that change is real. It is really nice to see him all of a sudden like have 
a lot of good things inside of his repertoire, but then he did that before, and then it was so bad the next time. Like, yeah, no. Corbin Burns, six innings, 200 runs, three hits, one walk, and six Ks. I think a lot of people are clamoring for me to give him the Ace is going to Ace label because it's the third great start in a row for Corbin Burns. Not the double-digit strikeouts of six Ks, but still very good. The Reds aren't as good on the road, and they've been slowing down a lot lately. The biggest issue... And I don't want to find issues. I'm not trying to search for them. I'm trying to be like, no, I feel confident in what he does. And this is sustainable. So let me actually go through that really quickly. With Corbin Burns in the first one, the cutter was pretty, it was much better. And the curveball was good. Last start, the cutter was a little bit worse, but the curveball was amazing. I think it was like a 62% CSW or something ridiculous. And then this one, the cutter went two for 50 whiffs. And the curveball that has really been elevating him or really ascending him, I don't want to say elevating because that's confusing, was just 19% CSW and a terrible 25% strike rate. We're talking four strikes on 16 thrown. That's 12 balls. Just like, nope, don't have my curveball. So what happened was a changeup and slider stepped up. That's good. They had 45% CSW, but they only threw 20 of them. And that doesn't, you know, we haven't really seen those step up before. And you could say, oh, Nick, no, that's a cool thing. The new skill is showing up and that, that, means he got saved and I want to say no I don't believe in that new skill you know it's just been different each time he's had success it's been different and anytime I see that instead of one thing consistent I have more hesitation so I still love Corbin Burns like he's going to be right outside the aces gonna ace tag it's just without that consistency I can't give it to him you feel me I'm not going to lower him I'm just not going to put him into that second tier he's gonna be right at the top of the third tier sorry buddy Tywin Walker against the Orioles, 5.2 innings of uh, 200 runs, 6 hits, 3 walks, and 4 Ks. Uh, yeah, you're in a Philly here um, on the Phillies. And if you're not in a quality start league or pretty much any league, this isn't good. You don't get anything out of it. I mean, sure, the 5.2 innings of 200 runs, fine. It's a, like a 3.16 ERA or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but terrible whip, only 4 Ks, no win. Uh, it's still like Taiwan magic and generally it was good of, uh, cutters and curveballs down and sinkers arm side and four seamers up. The splitter was just kind of like all over the place. Did not earn a single whiff in 28 thrown for Walker, but that's a splitter and get some Marlins next. That should be fine. Just keep going. Like this is the most Toby right now or one of the many clear Tobies to me. Chris Bassett against the Dodgers. You started him because it's Bassett and hey, two runs in five innings. Sure, seven hits, zero walks, though, and eight strikeouts. I'm oh, sorry, that's a, this is Griffin Canning. I'm so sorry. Uh, five innings, two runs, four hits, four walks, six Ks. Really strange to see the four walks from uh, Chris Bassett. I remember actually reading that line with Canning. I was like, really? He had zero walks? Um, yeah, Bassett against the Dodgers. Like, okay, fine. And that's kind of weird. You don't really see the four walks typically from him. He made it work over five innings against a really tough team. We move on. Griffin Canning did really well as your streamer against the Tigers. Five innings, two and runs, seven hits, zero walks, eight Ks. You feel good about this. You get the uh, the Atlanta next. You don't want to do that with Griffin Canning. And unfortunately, this is why he's been that streaming guy because he gets thrown back to the wire. And then you pick him up for the Mariners. That's on August 6th. You're going to have to wait 11 days for that. Is Griffin Canning against the Mariners on August 6th and potentially in the next like eight weeks after worth it for 11 days right now? That's up to you. I really want to like, it's important for me to phrase it like that, especially with Canning who gets more rest than others, because that's a lot of time for like, maybe you get that Monday and Thursday extra hitter. Maybe you need something on Saturday and Sunday for a stream. Actually, maybe that turns into three starts because you can stream that spot, right? 
Is it worth it to hold on to Canning from the Mariners? I don't know. It depends on your situation. I know. Trust me. I really do like what Canning is doing at the moment. Don't get me wrong. It's just, is it going to be that consistent in the second half? I don't know. Rich Hill against the Padres. 4.1 innings, 2 and runs, 7 hits, 2 walks, 3 Ks. Look, he's up to 89 miles per hour. Happy to see him do it. Good stuff, Rich Hill. I wonder if this is the end of the line this season. Uh, it's been really a wonderful ride watching you just kind of soar out of nowhere in what, like 2016, and you're still here. I think it's just a really cool story. Uh, Yeri Gar- Rodriguez. I actually do wonder, like, does he have his 10-year baseball rights yet or so? Does he need, like, one more year? I hope he does. I hope he gets that because he, like, is such a wonderful journeyman story that he deserves it. I don't know. Yeri Rodriguez opened for Cody Bradford and absolutely not. Um, that was against the Astros. Uh, Kyle Hendricks had a careful Icarus against the White Sox. Six innings, a one run, and then allowed two more in the seventh as he won 6.1 innings of three and runs, four hits, one walk, four Ks. You're happy with this, even if the command wasn't actually that great. Um, I've seen better nights with the sinker and changeup, and, but it's the White Sox, and that's fine, and we just keep going on. Julio Urias had a, uh, wow, I just said a hitter instead of a pitcher. Julio Urias had a very, very poor quality start against the Jays. So six innings, three earned runs, eight hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. We add an extra very for every base runner after nine. With the, when you have that exact six innings and the exact three earned runs. Um, Urias faced a strong Jays crew. I'm not reading too much into this, but yeah, there's a reason why he's not an ace is going to ace right now. Like, he's not overwhelming. He's very good. He's a worse Max Fried uh, at the moment to me when Max Fried is pitching. Um, it is the Athletics next. So, obviously that. And, like, you're not going to do anything with Holy Urias. Uh, Edward Cabrera against the Rays. Uh, two innings of 300 runs, four hits, two walks, zero Ks, as he was dealing with the blister. And it's so interesting to see the Marlins, who are one game out of the wild card, uh, just constantly get barraged with all of these problems with the rotation. Sandy Alcantara is not coming through the way that they should. I mean, obviously, Luzardo is has been their ace, and it's been insanely good to see that. But then you have Yuri Perez that needs to get innings limited. You have Eric Cabrera coming back, and then this, and then you have Braxton Garrett falling, and you have Max Meyer dealing with the Tommy John from last year, and you have just constant problems inside that rotation for the Marlins. Hopefully, Johnny Cueto magic can help. Um, Trevor Rogers was delayed. Like, they are much closer um, than everyone thinks. It's so funny. Like, the starting pitching is supposed to be the strength, and uh, the hitting has actually been better than expected. While the pitching is keeping its head above water, but it just stinks. I feel bad for them that like you have this blister now with Edward Cabrera. Is he going to start next time? Is he not? Um, I feel like this hopefully was caught early enough that he could make his next start, but there's already volatility with Edward Cabrera. And now you add this extra element. It's like, ugh, I don't really think you need to stash that. Um, Trevor Williams, never Trevor. Uh, Michael Kopech against the Cubs, five innings, four earned runs, nine hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. Um... And Michael Kopech actually had really good command. I really like this of sliders that were down in glove side and fastballs that rotated between down and away and up and in. However, uh, he made mistakes and he's throwing 95, not like 96, 97. And those mistakes get crushed. So there's a much smaller margin for error, which means he allowed nine hits. And that's really the issue to me is that Michael Kopech just does not work at 94, 95 with that fastball. Like he needs to be so precise with the command for that to work. And if he doesn't, he opens the door for starts like these. Not as bad as the line looks based on command, um, but just by like results, like you see how he gets hit, you know? Uh, Zach, Co- Zach, sorry, Zach Greinke 
Five innings, four and runs, four hits, zero walks, one K because he's cranky. Eduardo Rodriguez against the Angels, 4.2 innings, four and runs, seven hits, three walks, three Ks. Uh, the Angels are really good in WRC+. Plus. They're like third in WRC+, plus in the last two weeks without Trout. They also strike out the most. Um, honestly, he gets the Pirates next. Eduardo Rodriguez, you start him there. Don't overthink it. Charlie Morton got demolished by the Red Sox, including getting a triple play to get him out of a first and second jam. Uh, and he still went 3.2 innings of four and runs, six hits, five walks, one K. Why? Because the curveball was bad. And when the curveball is bad for Morton, then there's just no hope. Very rare occurrence, though, so I'm not going to read too much into that. And uh, we're, I think we're just going to keep starting Morton. Uh, Domingo Herman earned a gallows pull at 19 whiffs, uh, six innings, six earned runs, seven hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts against the Mets. He had his elite curveball for the most part, but then there are also like some hung pitches with the changeup and the fastball and the curve, and those go went for home runs, and it's just not great. Uh, so... Yeah, three changeups were destroyed. Mr. Alonso came in and did wonderful things against Herman. He's the same guy to me. Um, and George Kirby, George Kirby, what a strange outing. I didn't mention this in the roundup. Um, he struck out the first eight batters he faced. Uh, and then it was four point four innings of five and runs, seven hits, one walk in nine strikeouts. Like what? Uh, weird. He allowed all the hits on his four seamer. The splitter earned five whiffs, which is kind of nice to see, but not really sustainable yet. Slider was good in the zone. The curve had an 80% strike rate. And the Twins just jumped on all of those fastballs, like sinkers and four-seamers. That happens. They were just like, all right, you know what? We're not going to get beat on this pitch anymore. So, uh, yeah, that's George Kirby. That's how how it goes. Looking forward to today's and tomorrow's games. We have Spencer Strider, Zach Gellin, Joe Ryan, Zach Eflin, Framber Valdez, Bryce Miller, Freddie Peralta, and Sandy Alcantara in that top tier. Yes, Alcantara is there against the Rays. Because they're not that good of an offense right now. And I think Sandy Alcantara is actually pitching really well um, with that changeup. I know he's had that one bad inning, but the changeup is looking much better than it did in the first couple months. And I think there's a lot to like here. I know I'm making excuses for Alcantara. I still feel like that skill set is there. He's not a 19% strikeout guy. Probable starts here. You have Carlos Rodon, Gavin Williams, Seth Lugo, Marcus Stroman, Kyle Brash, and Jack Flaherty. You can argue that Seth Lugo against the Pirates is better than Gavin Williams against the Royals, but the Royals are so bad, and Gavin Williams is elevating with that four-seamer so well. He just needs to get some of those breakers down, and he's going to soar here. While Carlos Rodon, honestly, to me, is like probably not a start, but I understand some of you guys want to wait for that good outing um, as he gets the Mets, and I'm very excited to watch that because I feel like this is he's very much due for that amazing start. Uh, Marcus Stroman, you just keep going with it. Kyle Brash, you keep going with it. Um, and Jack Flaherty, you keep going with it. Like, it's pretty straightforward there. No bad matchups there. Questionable start. Is Lance Lane actually going to do it? I mean, he's just so annoying. Uh, with so many home runs, it's four-seamer and cutters that do get whiffs. It's just, you don't know what you're going to get. He gets the Cubs. I don't know. Uh, so he's in questionable start. Patrick Sandoval against the Tigers. Seems like it's great on paper, but he just doesn't have both changeups and sliders dominating in a given start. Sometimes you get a lot of whiffs, but then it's like a 40% strike rate on the changeup. Like, what's going on? Michael Lorenzen is good against bad offenses. The Angels, again, really high WRC plus right now, but they strike out a lot. But that's not really the good thing for Lorenzen. It's you want the bad WRC plus teams that do not take advantage of those pitches in the zone. So Lorenzen, I'm a little bit worried about it against the Angels. Johan Aviedo against the Padres. Seems like that could work out. Hogan Harris had this amazing start against the Astros, but it was just like pitches down the middle. So I don't really buy the skills. And then again, it's the Giants who are just so bad. So I understand that one. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi gets the Dodgers. I don't really want to do that one. Jose Quintana could work against the Yankees because the Yankees are really bad right now. Four-seamer command was really good in the first start. The change up in curveball need to get split more in the bottom of the zone for me to really buy into this. But this could actually be a sneaky stream as he's under 10% rostered at the moment. Uh, Tony Gonsolin against the Jays. Uh, I don't like that one at all. 
but maybe he's able to go five innings of under 300 runs. Maybe steal a win there. Ranger Suarez maybe can turn it back on. He was a little bit better last time as he gets the Orioles now, but still not at a point where you want to start him. Andrew Heaney gets the Astros. Absolutely not. I mean, that's just a desperate strikeout play. Um, Jake Irvin could go up to 95-96 and have a decent curveball against Rocky Road. And Brian Bayo gets Atlanta. So he is in the bottom of questionable start tier because Brian Bayo has a sinker changeup that are really good. He hasn't developed a slider in the four-seamer, but Atlanta is just so dang good. It's really, really hard for me to endorse that. Then again, but that'll do well, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about that one. Um, Alec Marsh leads off the do not start tier against the Guardians. The four-seamer was not very good last time, and the Guardians don't strike out, and I just feel like it's just not enough to chase. Alex Wood against the Athletics. I know, right? The Athletics, and Alex Wood just isn't good. He doesn't take advantage of these good matchups, little pitch counts. Maybe he goes five innings, but I just it's not worth it to me. Same with Ben Lively. Even though it's the Brewers, he isn't really his best self at all. And Peter Lambert never against the Nationals. Looking forward to tomorrow. We just have eight starters. So Justin Steele against the Cardinals, clearly. Dylan Cease against the Guardians. He's underneath Steele because they strike out less. And Dylan Cease was not doing all of his good things last time. It was bad sliders and the four-seamer and curveball took over, which is weird. And I don't like weird. Well, Justin Steele is just kind of doing his thing. So I feel like it's a higher floor, even though the matchup is technically better for Dylan Cease. And Kodai Senga against the Nationals. You're going to start that one. That's very clear with the high strikeout potential. Tanner Bybee just added the best start I've seen from him all year. But I don't know if that command across all four pitches is going to stick. So he's in the top of probable start tier against the White Sox. Chase Silseth against the Tigers is the very clear stream pick of the day. Uh, as he was amazing. It's a new slider. New breaking ball. Just think of it like that. That he introduced last start, which was so good. Uh, down and away. I think he had like a 56% CSW or something like that. Down and away consistent location. Uh, much more move- movement despite the lower velocity. And he gets the Tigers who swing a ton out of the zone. Love that. Questionable start is Matt Manning against Angels. As I mentioned, the Angels are really weird right now, and you kind of want to avoid them. And Matt Manning's stuff, nothing is elite to me there. So I feel like that's actually very dangerous. And do not start is Miles Michaelis. I don't care if it's against the Cubs. He just doesn't do enough of a ceiling. And Josiah Gray is at the bottom against the Mets because I think the Mets are a good offense right now. And Josiah Gray, I don't really trust that he can throw sliders and curveballs for strikes. And it's just always just like, eh, let's just avoid that. But all right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for the support. Again, database engineer, um, come send us an email. Come hang out on playback.tv slash pitcherlist. And that is all. So my name is Nick Pollock. May your babas below and your strikeouts high.